We'll keep going in First John chapter 5. We are now, chapter 5. We've looked at love and reckoning, verse 17 and 18 of chapter 3. Love and relatives. Love and reckoning was perfect love casteth out fear, even with the knowledge of the judgment we will face. So we'll stand before him boldly and not ashamed of our walk. And love and relatives. We've looked at that one, verse 19 to 20 and 21. Love and relatives. And in other words, brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we looked at that last, last week. If you love your brother, or as you say you love God and hate your brother, your relative in the Lord, Christian brother, then you're probably not a Christian. That's as simple as I can say it. Because John spells it out very clearly. John had lived long enough in Christian circles. What's it? This, this book was written about 90 something AD, 33, 43, and you go on. So that's, um, what, 50, 50 years? 50 years. That's right. He'd been living in the Christian circles and he'd seen love dwindle, the first love that he spoke about in the book of Revelation to the Ephesus church. They've left their first love already. That happens. It happens in churches. It happens in individuals. It happens in families. And so love and relatives, if you say you love God, don't hate your brother. Now we look at love and re regeneration. Verses 1 to 5 of chapter 5. Whosoever... Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and any one that loveth him that begot, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and this, his commandments are not burdensome or grievous. But whatever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for this your word again tonight to help us to remember that if we're regenerated, this will be present in our life. The love of God, it can't but help to be because we know you and we know you're a God of love. We'll live like you want us. Bless the word that's shared tonight and be with those that are listening in online and those that are here. In Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> love and regeneration. We've seen that love for the brethren is motivated by the character of God that we have as children of God. The example of Christ, it's motivated by the character we have of God, by the example of the Lord. He loved us while we were unlovely, while we yet sinners. And the example of God is given also in all these three different sections in first john on love and the commandments of christ so <clears throat> motivated to love him by the commandments as well in verses one to three love for the brethren is based on the experience of regeneration where do you tie where would you tie regeneration with what verses in the one of the gospels could you tie regeneration with that's it. Mm -hmm. Born again. Thank you, Bernie. And that is the experience that Nicodemus was spoken to 
by the Lord about must be born again. Um, <clears throat> we're all in one family, so we should experience and exercise love. The togetherness of Christians. I, th I was thinking of that and I went down and looked up and then found it together. Together, together, together. And over, I think it's 26 times, the word is used in the New Testament, or one another and together. Have compassion one of another. You be hospitable and <laughs> come out. One toward another. Minister to one another. Be subject one to another. Fellowship with one another. Members one of another. Kindly affection toward one another. And so it's a family relationship. And as we said and spoke about last week, how's the children, how are the children in the family? Are they doing that? And when they do, it's harmony. When they don't, it's not harmony. Same in the church. They'll love one another. And exercise this love within the family. The plan of regeneration, that is, we need to be born. And this is found in the first verses here. That away. Who is my brother? One that was born. Who, who is a human being? Well, one that's been born. Who is a Christian brother? One that has been born, as we mentioned, has been begotten of God, as these verses put it. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. They're begotten of God. And that word begotten, begotten and born is used three times in verse 1, isn't it? Uh, <clears throat> so the plan of regeneration is to be born, begotten, regenerated. And... Um, <clears throat> Nicodemus and his question extracted from the Lord the, the response ye must be born again for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth should not perish but have everlasting life John 1 12 but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God sons of God whether you're a a woman or a man, a man, generically, it said, you are son of God. And <clears throat> you're born of him, brothers and sisters. Bible believing <clears throat> is more than acknowledging, and I think this is important, more than acknowledging historical facts. That's not, doesn't make one a Christian. Yep, you can acknowledge historical facts. It is entrusting oneself to the object of that faith who is the Lord Jesus. I give my life into his hands. It involves commitment to him and commitment to one another. <clears throat> Saving faith involves a true biblical view of the person and work of Christ. And it's, it, it says it, doesn't it? If we don't believe in the deity, we're not saved. We don't believe in that Christ is the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, we're not saved. That disqualifies a whole heap of religions. Just one stroke of the pen. One, one verse from the book. Um, <clears throat> so the plan of regeneration. <clears throat> be born. <clears throat> this, the proof of regeneration in these verses. How can a person know that he's saved, regenerated? The three criteria here given. Faith in the Son as we've talked about. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38 says, Now the just shall live by faith. 
And then over in chapter 11 and verse 6, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Talking to Bernie about this, some people believe that God gives faith before we get saved. Think about that one. Do you have faith before you get saved and God gives you faith to get saved? What do these verses just say? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. How can we please him if he gave it to us? You just ask questions like that when someone puts something like that to you. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. That's faith, believing. And he's a rewarder. You believe when you hear the message. You don't believe because you have faith already. <clears throat> we won't go into that any further, will we, Bernie? <laughs> but that that's here, faith. Faith in the Son of God begins with faith. As the book of Romans and that wonderful portion that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's a matter of volition. It's a matter of the will. It's a matter of choosing to believe. And we have a choice. We have a will. Uh, we're not robots. Jill was saying that a robot attacked, a, attacked someone today. I don't know. It might have been his maker. I don't know. But if they keep on putting that AI stuff into them, that's what's going to happen. I don't like what you're doing to me. I'm thinking for myself. Not thinking. I'm, pro I'm programmed to, to get angry. I don't know what they do to them. <coughs> Robot soldiers. Anyway, I should run a magnet over them and get them all sucked in. Don't need a, don't need a bullet for a robot. But <coughs> here, we believe by faith. We confess with our mouth. We're not robots. We have a choice. Praise God. Titus 3, 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Faith in the Son, love for the family, the proof of regeneration, faith in the Son, love for the family. So a second assurance we have here is a love for the family. You know, some people come to church and come to church and come to church for years on end. They still don't love the family. They'd rather love people who are not in the family of God. What does that tell us about them? Well, they're not in the family. They're in the different family. They're in the devil's family, in the world's family. The, you know, those children who they can get in and have a wonderful time with, they really light up when they get with non-Christians. But they go very dull when they're with Christians. Something wrong, isn't there? They're not in the family. Uh, <clears throat> um, We've got a divine nature. We've got the Holy Spirit within us. Titus 3, we just read. It's hereditary that we should love. Um, <clears throat> even when we're growing up and you know, have our disagreements and our scraps with our brothers and sisters, we can still love them. And they say blood is thicker than water. If it comes to the crunch, they'll back you, your family, I trust, more than they'll back the, the others, even though they might not be in complete agreement with you. Blood is thicker than water. and We have a blood relationship, don't we? <laughs> in Christ Jesus, he shed his blood that we might be saved and we're born again by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, <clears throat> if we love the begetter, in these verses, notice what it says there. 
in John, 1st John. I took my marker out. 1st <laughs> John 5, 1, the last half. Everyone that loveth him that begot, who's that? That's God, yeah. Loveth him that is begotten. Who is that? The believer. That's the Christians. <laughs> so we, if we love the begetter, God, we will automatically love the begotten, the believer. So love for the family is proof of regeneration. Faith in the Son is proof of regeneration. Obedience to the Father. In verse 3 it says, For this... Oh, yeah, we've read verse 2, but verse 3. This is the love of God that ye keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Love and obedience are outgrowth of faith. They cannot be separated. Love will not disobey God's law. The child that keeps disobeying continually his parents doesn't really love them. A person that calls themselves a Christian and always is pushing the boundaries and wanting to be like the world and don't like what you say there or don't like what you preach, what's the problem? Probably not born again. They're probably not in the family. This is a proof that you're in the family, that you obey the word of God. You obey the Father as he gives us the word. Now, <clears throat> it is possible to obey without loving. Isn't that true? Remember when you were a kid? Remember when you were a big kid as a child of God? <laughs> you can obey without loving. That's what the Pharisees did. They obeyed all their laws. Now, they weren't the laws of God. They added laws without loving God. That's why Jesus said when they asked him, what's the best, biggest, greatest commandment? What do you say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your brother. But it's not possible to love without obeying. So you can obey without loving, but you, you can't love without obeying. Okay, you must obey the gospel and then you, then you know how to love. You've got the love of God in you. It's difficult to obey. If, if it's difficult to obey his commandments, something's wrong. Here John said in verse 3, and his commandments are not what? Birdsome or irksome or grievous is the word. It doesn't mean they are not exacting and sometimes demanding the, the, the commands of the Lord, the unsaved person or the carnal Christian may view and they do view the Christian life as boring, repetitive and unappealing. It's not got enough oomps in it or whatever they say. <laughs> They'll find out in the end who's got the oomph <laughs> in eternity. However, his concept that is, an unsaved person is wrong. Faith in Christ makes it possible to keep his commandments. Love for God makes it pleasant. So Christ makes it possible to keep his commandments and love for God makes it pleasant to do his commandments because you know you've obeyed. When a child knows they've kept their, their parents' commandments, they, they are pleased. It's pleasurable, it's pleasant. 
And so <clears throat> we as Christians need to do that. The products of regeneration, verse 1, 4, and 5. Verse 4, whatever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Those who are born comprise the family, as we've mentioned. And it is mentioned many times in the scriptures that we are in that family. In Matthew 12, 49, it says this, Matthew 12, 49, And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, This is the Lord Jesus, he said, Behold my mother and my brethren. Who is my mother and who are my brethren? He asked that question. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father. You see, keep his commandments because you love the Father, you'll do the will of the Father. Look, someone's turning up. The clock must be late. <laughs> Just hear the gravel in the car park. But <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19, speaking of the family, Ephesians 2, 19, Now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Didn't say family in that verse, but what was the word used in that verse that says we are a family? Fellow, household, a household of God, built upon the foundation. And in, in um, verse 22 of the same, in whom ye also built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. So we're in the family. And listen to some of the verses. You know, no need to turn to these ones. Second, uh, First Peter two five, you also are lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. What's the word for family there? A spiritual house. I put down next to this when I was thinking about this today. <clears throat> I think it's this is why it tells pastors that if he cannot keep his family together. How can he take care of the church of God, which is a family? If he can't keep his family together, how can he keep the other family together? And it spells it out pretty clearly there in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. So <clears throat> this is why I think as a spiritual house, as a family of God, we need to be sure to follow the Lord in truth. And as a family... And in Galatians 2.10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the, what's the word? Household of faith. For those that have memorized scripture, don't. <laughs> it comes, comes to your mind when you half quote a verse. You can finish. We are of the household of God. We're a family. We're a part of a family. And <clears throat> so... The plan of regeneration, the proof of regeneration, as we see here. The products of regeneration, we're in the family of the household of God. What are the parallels between, and that, that's why the regulations are given, if a pastor is, if a person's to be a pastor, they're to keep their family together. What are some of the parallels between the church family and a literal physical family? <clears throat> because if you can't keep one together you're not going to keep the other together if you're not a good father in a family you shouldn't be a pastor of a church that's what it's saying in the, in the scriptures and so what are they? well it talks about 
in Timothy. Well, let's look there. In Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 3, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behaviour, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house. So ruling well, not dictate, not dictating, not being a, an ogre in that way, but ruling the house by example for the children to follow, having his children in subjection with all gravity. That's, that's pretty serious, isn't it? As, as a spiritual leader in a church must be able to have his physical family and also the church family. And does the pastor look for opportunities? So, ah, looking for opportunity to get to another person and say, oh, you're doing it wrong. No, he doesn't do that. If it's evident that something's wrong, there should be, and, and it is hard to talk to them like you do with your own children. Sometimes it's hard to talk to them. And First um, <clears throat> Timothy 3.15 says this, Paul said, if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church, the, the living God of the living God and pillar and ground of the truth. And so <clears throat> it is the household of God. As a family behaves, so should the church family behave. Brothers and sisters getting along with each other, not quarrelling with each other and working together joyously with one another to exalt the Lord and to preach the gospel to reach to the community. And so <clears throat> there is many mentions. There's one more, and it's found in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, in verse 6. It says, But Christ, as a son of his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope, firm unto the end. So the products of regeneration is behaving in the house of the Lord as we ought to be behaving in our families at home. Have you ever gone to a person's place and you're about to, you know, press the doorbell or knock and you heard a ruckus coming from inside and you said, oh. <laughs> no, I don't think I'll go in right now. Things aren't right there. There's <laughs> Something's going on in the house that it, if I knocked it would be embarrassing. I have. I'm not saying of, of people in the church here, but I have gone to a door and I thought, Oh, what's going on in there? You're yelling and screaming. Oh, no. <laughs> Back off. I wasn't a pastor then. I was only a teenager. And I thought, I just didn't want to go in there. If you come to the pastor's house and there's yelling and screaming. Now, <clears throat> when was it we had? Saturday. A week ago. No, last Saturday. It was just last Saturday. We had all the family there. The whole 23 of us. The four kids and the four <laughs> son-in-laws and daughter-in-law and all the grandkids. There was a lot of noise, but it wasn't yelling and screaming. Sometimes it's noisier than other times. They're just having fun together. And I think you'd be able to pick that. But when you, if a person comes to the church and they hear yelling and screaming at each other and they can see that attitude's not right toward one another, would you want to be part of that church? No, I don't think so. And so, as a family, the product of regeneration 
is a right relationship and a loving relationship within the family, the church family. And then in verse, we're in 1 John chapter 5, and we're down the last verse of, uh, for tonight, verse 5. Who is, or verse 4 and 5, whatever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. <clears throat> Those who are born again are conquerors, are overcomers, as it says here. And who is the overcomer? It says the believer. You say, well, some Christians don't like, seem like they're overcomers, but folks, every person that's believed on the Lord Jesus Christ will be an overcomer in eternity, won't they? We have the promise of heaven, we have the promise of being there one day with the Lord in glory, and that's to be an overcomer. Because these verses here, and we've looked at them when we're looking at the word overcome um, in verse 4 of chapter 4, we went to these verses and said, it's a Christian, it's a believer that is an overcomer. All believers are overcomers. Some are, some are more overcomers in the sanctification area than others. They're more sanctified. They're walking closer to the Lord. An overcomer is not just a certain super spiritual saint or giant of the faith. This passage says that every Christian is an overcomer. He that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Um, <clears throat> this passage is inferring that the world will be against the Christian and there will be a battle. We're in a battle. We're in a fight. But victory is possible. Faith again is the key to the victory we have to be overcomers of the things that we face as Christians. Um, <clears throat> What passages of scripture, and we looked at them last time, we won't look at them again, refer or use the word overcomer seven times? Can you remember where they were used? It's in one of the John's writings. Come on, you've memorised it, Doug. <laughs> it's a long time ago. Chapter 2 and 3 of the book of Revelation. Remember the seven churches? At the end of each of the references to one of the church, he that overcometh, I will give. To him that overcometh shall be. And there's seven great things to look at for the overcomer. And the Lord speaking through John to the churches in the chapters of two and three of Revelation, every church individually, this is what you need to do to be overcomer in that church. Because, well, the book of, I mean, the church at Ephesus, what was their problem? They'd left their first love. So to be an overcomer in that church, they had to regenerate their first love. They had to get going again. And this is what First John is about and written about this just a little bit before the book of Revelation was written, 60 years after the church had started. And so the Lord wants us to be overcomers and to be victorious in our Christian walk. We've done five verses tonight usually we do one verse so be encouraged we might get to the end of first john but not before the end of this year <laughs> this is the last one isn't it <laughs> the last wednesday